How many have had a bad day recently? We're in this series of how to live through a bad day. You know, Jesus had a bad day. When he was on the cross, that was a bad day. Doesn't get any badder than that. That was a bad day. So we are looking at that story and some statements that he made from the cross. His last words, you know, if your life was coming to an end, I'm sure you have some things that you would like to handle. And if you knew you had 24 hours left to live, I think you'd be scrambling to do things that you put off, things that are important to you. So what were the things that were important to him? On his last day, this bad day, what were the things that were really important? So we're looking at that. Last week, Pastor Adam started this series by uh, looking at the first statement and lesson, because there's a lesson that goes for us for, from each of these statements he made. And the first one was, you got to forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. Forgiveness is a big major thing. If you're a Christian, this is one of the big obstacles. You can be a Christian and hope to go to heaven, but never be what God wants you to be if you can't release that offense that you've taken up with someone who's, who's offended you. You have to forgive. Today we're looking at lessons two and three, and we're grouping them together because they, they tend to say the, a similar thing. So uh, here, here's the first statement I want to share. It comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. It says, one of the criminals who hung the, there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since you are under the same sentence, remember that phrase, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me. In paradise today. Here's the, the lesson for us from that. We need to help others who are experiencing your same struggle. The same thing you're struggling with. There's somebody else going through that same thing. Did you know that? Some of us tend to think, well, the problems we got, you know, they're unique to us. Uh-uh. There's nothing new under the sun. The same difficulties you struggle with, somebody else is going through. So what you need to do is find who those people are who are going through those struggles, just like you, and help them through it. Jesus found people going through the same struggles he was going through, nailed to a cross, feeling the same pain, the same uh, hurt that he was going through, and he reached out to that guy and he offered him something. You need to find somebody going through the same thing you're going through and help them. You need to help them. Why? Let me give you three reasons why you need to do this. Number one, because it distracts us from our own pain. It gets our minds off us 
and what we're feeling, the, the, the pain, the rejection, it helps us get our eyes off ourself onto someone else. If you can get your mind off yourself onto someone else, if you can get what you're going through, that pain off of you, and focus on the pain someone else is going through, you can help that person become a better person. And something happens in the spiritual realm when you do that. So we need to get outside of ourselves. Here's the second reason why we ought to do that. Because it helps us see the solution. I'm going through this pain and I can't see any way out. So if I find somebody else going through the same pain and help them, it helps me discover the solution to my own dilemma. If I coach somebody else through the difficulties they have, it helps me discover what I need to hear for myself. Sometimes we're blinded to it. It hurts too bad. We're blinded to it. But if I help someone else, it helps me discover what I need to apply, what I need to do. Here's the third reason. Because it allows us to put everything in the right perspective. Sometimes when I'm going through my own pain, I, I, I only see things in my own world and I get into this pity party this depression, this downer. I just get into this negative because I'm going through this pain. Anybody else like that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? But I need to put everything in the proper perspective. That helps me get balanced. Perspective is how you look at something. I heard about this man who went to, to a quarry And he saw men working in the quarry. And he went up to the first workman at the quarry and he said, what what do you do here? And he said, well, I cut cut stones. I'm cutting a stone. He went on to another workman and he said, what do you do here? And he said, well, I'm earning a paycheck. Went to the third worker and he said, what do you do here? The guy stood tall held his head up, and he said, I'm building a cathedral. You see, which one, which, one's, which one was correct? They're all correct. They're all doing the same thing, but they had a different perspective on looking at things. I need to get the right perspective. I need to look at the big picture, and I need to see my aches and pains aren't the end of the world. God's trying to do something through my aches and pains. So let me give you three tips on how to help other people going through the same thing you are. Number one, offer them stability. Stability. The one thing the world lacks is stability. This world is a crazy place. This this world isn't getting better. I'm sorry. It might be getting richer, but it's not getting better. We need to offer people stability in this crazy world. And the only stability I know is Jesus Christ. He's the one thing that never changes. Jesus did that when he said, truly, I tell you, I'm giving you the truth. What is the truth? Where do do we find truth? So many lies out there. Where do we find truth? Something that's real, something of substance that doesn't change. Where do we find this? It's in Jesus. 
By the way, Elaine, that's for you. That's a side joke. Number, number two, offer them support. There's a whole lot of people that feel like they're in this world all alone. All alone. Let them know they're not alone. Jesus said, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me. I'm going to be there for you. I don't know about you, but I, 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 I'm hesitant to tell people, I got your back. I'm there for you because I don't trust myself. But Jesus had no problem saying, I got your back because he knew he would be there. I want to be able, I want to, be able to say, I'm going through it with you. I'm going to always be there for you. But I know I can't make such a promise. But people need to know that there's something they can hang on to. Stability, support. Third thing, offer them salvation. Jesus did that. Truly, I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's salvation. When we come to the end of our journey, people want to know there's a good report. There's good news there. And if you're a child of God, there's good news ahead for you. When you're done with your journey down here, you're going to close your eyes and leave this life and step into the next one. That's a win. Good things. Salvation. Listen, Isaiah chapter 58, verses 10 and 11 says this. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry... And satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. If you spend your lives in behalf of the hungry. Yes. Your, the, God's got a purpose for your life. He's got a purpose for your life, and it's not so that you can get, 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 get. His purpose for your life is for you to expend your life helping other people's lives be better. Yeah. And then you just read what the result will be. Put God to the test. All right, that's, the, that's lesson two from the cross. We need to go into lesson three from the cross. And this comes from the Gospel of John chapter 19, verses 25, 26, and 27. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, And the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Think about this for a minute. If you were hanging on that cross with big spikes through your your hands, actually, it was his wrists, big spikes also through your feet 
and you're in the heat of the sun and you're, 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 your mouth's so dry you can't swallow and your, your body is just riven with this pain, where would your thoughts go? What would you be thinking of? Jesus looks down and he thinks about his mother who he's about to leave. And he sees this beloved disciple, John, and he puts them together. Builds a bridge. That's where his thoughts were. I love Jesus. I want to be like him. So I need to be thinking about other people. I need to be thinking about what kind of bridges can I build? How can I pull people together? How can I build relationships like this? He knew he was departing. How can he give stability to those he leaves behind? That's what we need to be doing. We know we're not going to be around here forever. How can we give stability to the people around us? So I got five of these, so I got to move fairly quick. Here's number one. How do we do that? Identify the real problem. Not every problem is the real problem. Sometimes the problem is much deeper than that. If the people you're trying to help, if we're supposed to help one another, we need to ask ourselves, what's the real problem here? They're griping, they're complaining. What's the real problem behind that, those gripes and complaints? Is it a physical problem? Sometimes physical problems, we can help them meet that. Like money. Maybe we don't have to give them money, but maybe they just need a little wisdom on how to get their finances together. Health, that's a physical problem. Maybe we can't heal them, but we can pray for them. Or maybe it's not a physical need they have. The real problem is more emotional. You know, they just need somebody to care, somebody to listen to them whine, listen to them gripe a little bit, vent it. We're helping them do that. Maybe they need a, somebody to comfort them, somebody to encourage them. We can do that. We can meet that need in them. Maybe it's not physical or emotional, but it's spiritual. You know, a spiritual need spills itself over into physical problems, into emotional issues. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe here's someone who's been listening to the devil's lies all their lives until they think it's normal and there is no hope for somebody like them. That's a lie. It didn't come from God. It came from Satan. Maybe somebody needs to be born again. If they would just get filled with the Spirit of God, all these problems in their life would just melt away. That's what happened to me. Not all my problems. Some of them I I had to do some spiritual battle for. But a whole lot of these temptations just melted away. Some years ago, I heard the story from the Nazarene pastor here in Waterloo when there was a Nazarene church. There isn't there now, but they had their building down on Lockhart Street where the Lutheran church is now. And right next to it was a uh, parking lot for a small 
um, small factory. And they didn't have enough parking at the church. church was doing pretty good, and they didn't have enough parking. So the pastor went over to the, the owner of the factory and asked if it would be okay, since they were closed on Sundays, if the church used that parking lot for church attendance. And the owner said, well, absolutely, I don't use it. No problem at all. So the church had a parking lot. Didn't cost them a penny. A couple of years later, there was a snowstorm. Dumped a whole lot of snow, and the wind whipped it around, made snow drifts around those buildings, and they couldn't park in it. One of the men of the church went over the next week to see that the owner of the factory and chewed him out because the parking lot wasn't plowed out and people couldn't park in it. The next week, a company showed up and put a chain link fence all the way around the parking lot and locked the gate. You see, not having enough parking wasn't the real problem. The real problem was the people in the church didn't know how to act like Christians. That's the problem. Sometimes the real problem isn't what we think it is. It's something else. So identify the real problem. Here's, um, here's the second thing. Tip on how to help someone. Build bridges like Jesus did. Pairing together his mother and her need and the Apostle John, putting them together. Sometimes we need to build bridges for one another, for people we're trying to help. We need to introduce them to somebody else. We need to set up a person with a need with somebody with an answer and bring these things together. Build bridges. That's crucial for us. Connect people with resources. Connect people with people. We need to do that. This is something we can do and it doesn't cost us a penny. But if we don't do it, it's not going to get done. This is what we as Christians do. How many have gone to the theater and seen Jesus' Revolution? Raise your hand if you've, you've seen that. Great picture of the, the time and the era when I came to Christ. Back in those days, there was a stiff religious resistance to what God was doing in the movement. You saw, you saw that in the movie. This is a true story. Anita and I went to a concert that someone arranged up at the Angola Armory. If you've ever been in the Angola Armory, you know every sound echoes back and forth all over the place. Terrible acoustics. Terrible place to have a concert. But somebody wanted to reach the lost. So they arranged this concert. And Anita and I went because we wanted to support that. And the first one to come up there and sing was Nancy Honeytree. You know, her style was folk music. That's what I loved before I came to Christ, folk music. That was my style. And uh, she appealed to me. We, we went, and, and she did her um, gentle, soft kind of style. Everybody there loved it. Next group up was Petra. Christian rock. Before, before they mellowed it out. It was real, real loud. Sound bouncing everywhere. 
And Anita and I were up, up, uh, up maybe uh, a third of the way back in that armory, and I heard this banging that was not in rhythm with the music. And I looked back, and here was this guy. I will, I will never tell anybody what his name is. But he had this metal folding chair, because we were all sitting on metal folding chairs. And he was banging this thing up and down on the floor, angry, banging that thing. And then finally he got up and he walked out the back, just angry at the music. And I watched, I, I just thinking, what do we do? And I watched Nancy Honeytree get up out of her chair and follow him out the door. And they were out there probably 10 or 15 minutes they were out there. And pretty soon I saw she came back in, and shortly after her came the same guy. Walked back in, sat down in his seat, and quiet through the rest of the whole concert. Now, I don't know what she did, but she built a bridge. She talked to him and gave him vision, gave him some, some kind of talking to that calmed him down, and he came back in for the concert. That's building a bridge. We need more of us to build bridges and not alienate people. You know, you're not going to win the lost by by preaching down to them and talk about how much sin they have in their life and how they're they're doing all kinds of wicked things. You're not going to win them over. They're just going to get worse and worse. You got to love them into the kingdom. Here's the third thing. Don't pass your hurts off to others close to you. Don't do that. I was told when I, when I was, uh, before I was in ministry and I was in Bible school, my pastor, Pastor Pano, used to tell me, when somebody has a problem in the workplace, they'll bring it into the church. When someone has a problem in their marriage, they'll bring that into the church. And I didn't understand what he was saying until I got in ministry myself. And then I began to see it. If there's somebody who wants, who feels like their life is out of control and they can't fix it at home, their marriage is on the rocks, everything is falling apart at home, they feel like they, they, they can't get what they want at home, they come to church and try to make it happen. If it's out of control in the workplace... They come to church and try to be in charge because in the church, everybody, everybody tries to be friendly with everybody. I've discovered some people are just ornery. Some people just are out of control in the workplace. They're not getting what they want, so they come to church and try to get what they want, try to be in charge. That creates a problem with people who are trying to love them. So don't pass your hurts off on somebody else. Don't come down to the church and try to be in charge because you can't be in charge in the workplace or at home. Here's number four. Ask Jesus to show you the way. If you're trying to help somebody and you don't know what to do, ask Jesus. If you've got a problem you're trying to break through and you can't fix it, ask Jesus to help you. He is the way. And he shows us the way, but we have to ask him. We have to ask him. So if you've got a problem and you've been struggling with getting an answer, ask him to show you. 
because he's the way. Heard a story about this man who was in Africa in the jungles and he didn't know how to get out of there. So he, he found a way to this, um, this small village in Africa and he asked if anybody could show him the way out of there. And this one guy said, I, I can show you. So he said, okay, show me. So this guy took his machete and just started working his way through the jungle in a certain direction. After several hours of watching this guy work his way through the jungle, the guy said, I'm not sure you know where you're going. He said, yes, sir, I do. He said, I'm, I'm beginning to doubt that. Where's the path? There's got to be a path here to get out of here. And the man turned around with his machete and he said, Buana, out here, there is no path. I am the path. In this planet, there is no way to victory. Jesus is the way. You just have to trust him. And he knows the way. He knows how to help you be an overcomer with the problems you have. He knows how to do that. Here's number five, my last point. Serve one another. Serve one another. I said, serve one another. Who am I talking to? Talking to you. Talking to those of you that are home. Every single person in the church of Jesus Christ has a responsibility to serve one another. Read your Bible. The church isn't there to take care of me. I'm there to take care of the church. The church is us. We ought to be a servant to individuals one-on-one. We also ought to be corporate servants. Work within the body of Christ. Work within the fellowship of the saints. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, Pray for one another that you may be healed. You want to be healed? You got to pray for somebody else. You want your church to grow? Quit praying about it and do it. We are the church. Quit asking God to do what only you can do. God can put us in the right place, but we have to be the one to do the serving. There's personal serving and there's corporate serving. I want to encourage you to be a part of the corporate serving. When it's you one-on-one serving somebody else, there's nobody who can hold you accountable to stay faithful. But when you're a corporate servant, there's lots of people around who can hold you accountable. And if I don't have somebody holding me accountable, I will dry up. I will not do what I need to do unless somebody's saying, what happened to you last week? We need to be accountable. Two specific areas, because I asked our team last week, where are some areas I'm going to be preaching on being a servant in the body of Christ? What are some areas that we, where we really have a need? Where we could do a better job as a church if we had people that would say, I'll do that. What are some areas? And they gave me two. Number one, guest services. We have a team That's guest services. Their purpose is to make sure when the guests come in, when people come in that haven't been here before, they have a good experience. 
one of the things is coffee. Oh, somebody fixes coffee? I just thought it was there. Just, I just thought it materialized. <laughs> Somebody's got to fix the coffee. Come on. We got a church of how many volunteers? And it should not be paid staff fixing the coffee. When we need volunteers and we're trying to find jobs for everybody to find a place. Guest services, the place where we really need somebody is behind the scenes. You don't want to be up in front. But behind the scenes, you're willing to do that. Here's a second area where we need help. Men being mentors with teens and children. Women are very, very quick to step up. They want to do that. Do you know how many children, boys, are being raised by single moms? And mom's doing a great job of doing what she can do. But what these boys need is a man who will be an example. And we have a real weakness in men who will be examples and mentor to the young boys in our church. Teenagers and children. We need that. We got plenty of women staffing the children's ministry. What we don't have is men who will be a man. Stand up and show how a man behaves. So these, these kids can see that. These are just two areas. There's others. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And uh, while they're coming, I got one final story. True story. From back in the 1940s. You know I love history. So when a story like this comes along, I grab a hold of it. Uh, a representative by the name of Wendell Wilkie, who is a Republican, went to visit President Franklin Roosevelt, who is a Democrat. And Wilkie said to him, I'm quoting from him, Mr. President, why do you keep that frail, sickly man, Harry Hopkins, at your elbow? And the president replied, Mr. Wilkie, Through that door flows daily an incessant stream of men and women who almost invariably want something from me. Harry Hopkins wants only to serve me. That's why he's so near to me. You want to be near to God? Maybe you need to stop asking him for things you want. Just serve him. Just do what he tells you to do. Just serve him. Find a place where your personality giftings fit. Find a place and serve. Just do what he tells you to do. That's how you get close to him. He wants you close to him. He really does. He doesn't want you just coming in the door asking for this and asking for that. Just serve him. And when you do, God will be there for you. He will. I want to be close to him. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you will help every one of us, each of us, to be the men and women you want us to be. Help us to find where we can serve. Help us to do our best to be faithful at it. And we know, God, when we are faithful, you are always faithful. So work through us, we pray in Jesus' name.